Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. What's up, guys? This is episode 10 of Trash Talk with TK. On today's program, we're going to talk about the Sixers' rough loss to the Miami Heat. Last night, a brutal loss on the road for the Sixers. We'll also discuss the... Topic that has captivated the city of Philadelphia over the past week, LeBron James and the potential of him considering coming to the Sixers this summer in free agency. We'll also continue our Eagles roster breakdown, finish off the offense, looking at the wide receiver spot, tight ends, and offensive line. And we will discuss the scouting combine and the debate possible rule changes in the NFL to the catch rule, which has been a major issue over the past couple years. We'll get into all of that. Let's get started. Rough loss for the Sixers last night in Miami. Sixers fall to the heat 102-101 in what was a game that, that Let's be completely honest. The Sixers really didn't deserve to win that game. They didn't play very well. They didn't play very well at all last night. Outside of Dario Sarge, I'm not sure there was a Sixer who you can say really had a good game. You know, compared to when Joel Embiid was pretty good when he was in there, but he was in foul trouble most of the night. After he got off to a hot start, he was kind of quiet. The rest of the way, Ben Simmons never looked comfortable in that game. J.J. Redick uh, struggled with his shot and, of course, got a great look at the end of the game and, and couldn't hit it. And I see a lot of people tweeting out, you know, you get paid $23 million, you got to hit that shot. And I understand where that viewpoint comes from. I really do. But... You know, you knew they were overpaying for J.J. Redick. You know he's not a $23 million player. So I'm not going to use the money as an excuse for why he's got to hit that shot. He's just, you know, you get that good of a look at the end of a game. You should be able to knock that down. You know, the Sixers, they can't ask for really a better opportunity than that, even though I do think that... Maybe Ben, I would like to see Ben Simmons on that play. He drives to the basket, right? And he's being covered by Dwayne Wade, which is a mismatch in the Sixers' favor. I mean, Ben Simmons is just, he's bigger, he's stronger, he's faster than Dwayne Wade at this point in their career. Winslow's coming over to help, but it looked like Ben Simmons could have potentially risen up, gotten to the rim, at least got a shot off, and, and then, you know, somebody could be sitting there for a rebound. So I'd like to see Simmons be a little more aggressive in that spot. I'd like to see him really try to try to go to the basket and try to score himself. And I'm not sure if 
He was a little scared off after what happened the previous possession. You, we all know, you know, the the Heat elect whether it was intentional or not. It may have been a miscommunication, but they foul Ben Simmons in a tie game with just over twenty seconds left, sending him to the line. And he only hits one or two, and you do wonder whether that's in his head a little bit that hey, I don't want to get fouled and go to the line because I'm not comfort- comfortable in in my free throws right now. And that's something that he's going to need to get over if that is the case. I'm not sure if that's what it was. Because, hey, he kicked it to Dario Sarge in the corner. Sarge made the extra pass to Redick. And the Sixers got a good shot in that in that situation. I just would, I w- I just would like to see Ben Simmons be a little more aggressive. I'd like to see him be a little more aggressive when he's got a path to the basket might be able to get a really kind of easy inside look and finish inside. But but overall, Simmons just did not have a good game last night in that game. He, he struggled. He never really looked comfortable. I'm not quite sure if he was pressing a little bit. It crossed my mind that maybe he was pressing. Maybe he wanted to have a good game to kind of outshine Goran Dragic who was picked over him as a replacement in the All-Star game. That did cross my mind. Maybe that's why Simmons could have been pressing a little bit to really have a good game against Dragic. But for whatever reason, he didn't look great. I mean, Robert Covington is a player that we all overrated earlier on in the year. And he's a guy that, that... And I'm a process believer too, but a lot of the really hardcore process people, it's kind of annoying because they get so sensitive when you criticize Robert Covington because he's like the only process guy who hung around. So everybody gets so, you know, so sensitive when you you criticize this guy at all, but he's just an average player. He's underperformed since signing that contract. He's he's a 3 and D guy who... Doesn't make nearly enough shots for what he takes. And uh, let's be honest, his defense has not been as good as it was earlier in the year and not as good as as it was last season. Yeah, he's a good wing defender, but last year he was an elite wing defender. He has not been that to this point. And you know, just a rough night all around. As I said, not a lot of guys. Is it the end of the world? Absolutely not. The Sixers still have an easy schedule in the the second part of the season here but they could very easily be looking at a three game at a three game losing streak now because next up Thursday night in Cleveland a national TV game against LeBron and that's a tall task that's a tall task for any team to go into Cleveland and get a win when you know this is the time of year where LeBron ramps it up and LeBron's looking to to kind of get his new group together after all those trades they made and get them ready for the stretch run as they head into the playoffs and, you know, hopefully for him get to a, another NBA Finals. And obviously the mention of LeBron James just brings up the debate that has raged across Philadelphia this past week, which I got to say, living in this city my whole life for 30 years and working at this radio station for as long as I've worked here, I have heard a lot of debates about different various sports topics in the city. A lot of 
dumb debates, a lot of idiotic and stupid debates. I'm not sure there's ever been a dumber debate dealing with Philadelphia sports than I've heard this past week when it comes to LeBron James. I'm dead serious. I don't know if there has ever been a more idiotic, ridiculous, absurd debate than what I have heard bannered about this past week. The argument whether or not to pursue LeBron James or be interested in bringing LeBron James to Philadelphia in the offseason. And all I'll say is my answer is hell yes. Let's, let's, let's just make this very simple for all the people out there who, for whatever reason, don't want LeBron James. And we'll get into those reasons a little later. But let's make it real simple. Let's simplify this thing. You have the best player in the NBA in LeBron James. Because he is. He's the best player in the league. You can argue Kevin Durant. You can argue Kawhi Leonard. They're both tremendous players. They're not LeBron James. LeBron James is the best player in the NBA, and he's been the best player in the NBA for at least the last 10 years. At least. If the best player in the league wants to come for your team, you bring him in to come play for your team. It's that simple. It's not complicated. If LeBron James has interest in coming to Philadelphia, you pursue him and you try to persuade him to make that decision to come to Philadelphia. And I don't want to insult anybody here, even though I probably will. But if you don't want LeBron James, I got to be honest with you, you're, you're kind of an idiot. You're kind of an idiot. You should probably stop watching basketball. You're overanalyzing this thing to a ridiculous extent. And I'm stunned with how many people I've spoken to this past week. People I respect when it comes to knowing basketball, basketball knowledge. And they, they don't want LeBron James. And it's just ridiculous. It boggles my mind. And this is another problem I have where I was a guy who trusted the process. I think there was no other we're going to get out of the the middle in this league where if you are in the middle, you're 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 worse than being bad. It's the worst place to be. It's it dooms you to perpetual mediocrity. And the only way to get better, the only way to get significantly better is to lose lose, lose for years on end and get top picks where hopefully you get lucky like the Sixers did and acquire two franchise players like they did in Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. But the problem that I have with the really hardcore process people is that now they think for some reason going out and getting LeBron James would be a betrayal of the process, would be rushing it to go get a start. This is, and and it, it kind of, boggles my mind because it makes me realize that some of these people who are the most hardcore process people don't truly understand the process, which is, yeah, you, you lose for years, you tank for years to get top talents here. But at some point 
It's got to progress. And the reason you get those guys here is to attract these monster free agents when they come available. No free agent is bigger than LeBron James. This is what the whole process was for, to put you in a in a situation where a guy like LeBron James would even consider coming to your to your franchise, to your team. And if you get that opportunity, you take advantage of it. And why they believe it would be some kind of betrayal of the process and, you know, to not go get LeBron and that he's going to ruin the team is just absurd. It is legitimately crazy. What is LeBron going to do to ruin this team? I think he would embrace coming in here and for the first time in his career truly being in a mentor role to Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Him and Simmons already have a close relationship. I think he'd relish that opportunity to come in and be a mentor to two of the league's great young talents and nurture them along and, and, you know, teach them how to win. Grow with them. And then after LeBron is gone... Simmons and Embiid can continue to carry the legacy of this organization. It won't cheapen anything. I've heard that that as well, that LeBron coming in would cheapen it. LeBron coming in would, would make it less special. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It wouldn't be any less special if LeBron won a title here. If anything, it would be, it would, it would be great. It would be tremendous. Could you imagine LeBron James... Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons in NBA Finals in Sixers uniforms. It would be incredible. And it's just idiotic to me. And the last argument I heard is, oh, well, well, then we won't be right, necessarily. The people won't feel like they're right. That the detractors of the process will always say they need to go get LeBron. Well, first of all, that's stupid on their end because the process was all for going to get a guy like LeBron, so you would still be right. But second of all, who the hell cares? Who the hell cares if in the end you can say you're right or not? And that's what's so annoying. Yeah, I. Uh, it kind of frustrates me being somebody who believed in this plan with some of the hardcore people who just want to be right. They don't really care. They don't really care about winning in the end. They just want to be right. It's stupid. It is stupid. It doesn't make it any better when you when you consider yourself right. Who cares? I was dead wrong about Nick Foles. Does it make it any better for me that the Eagles won a Super Bowl? Hell no. Doesn't matter one bit. And it wouldn't matter to these people if LeBron won a title here. It would be just as, just as great as if they won it with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. You need multiple stars. You need more than two guys. Embiid and Ben Simmons could end up being the two best players in the league. And if that's all you have... You're still probably not winning a title when you've got to go up against teams like Golden State. So that's my diatribe on LeBron James. If you don't want him here, you are an idiot. I don't get it. I don't get that viewpoint. And I never will. It's stupid. 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 If you can get LeBron James, you go get LeBron James. End of story. Now it's time to continue our Eagles roster breakdown, our stay or go series. 
where we look at who will probably be back, who might be let go and not return to the Super Bowl champion Eagles. Uh, Last time we did quarterback and running back. Try to knock out three position groups this week. We'll do wide receiver, tight end, and offensive line. We'll start with the wide outs and uh, start with Alshon Jeffrey, who came out last week that Alshon Jeffrey played this entire season with a torn rotator cuff. I mean, how amazing is that? This guy tears his rotator cuff in training camp, elects not to have surgery, elects to play through it, and has a tremendous year. I know people were critical of Alshon early on in the season. He was good all year. He was helping open things up for Zach Ertz and Nelson Aguilar. He was definitely attracting extra attention on the outside. You saw later in the year what happened, what he did to teams when they didn't give him that extra attention. He torched them. Huge in the playoffs. Huge touchdown catch in the NFC Championship game. Huge touchdown catch in the Super Bowl. Was just, in the Super Bowl, just tremendous. Alshon Jeffrey was just tremendous in both those games. The two biggest games of the year, the NFC Championship game and the Super Bowl, obviously had the huge catch in the Atlanta game before half that set the Eagles up to get that field goal that really changed everything in the postseason. He signed a four-year extension during the regular season. No question there, Alshon Jeffrey's back, and he's going to be the number one receiver here for years to come. And I think it's a, a great spot for the Eagles to be in to have a guy like Alshon Jeffrey who is a real legit number one receiver that they haven't had in a while. So Alshon will be back. You look at Nelson Aguilar, he's going into his fourth year. The Eagles, I do expect them to pick up his fifth-year option. Being a first-round pick, they can do that. He'll be back. I would look for the Eagles to sign at Nelson Aguilar to a long-term extension, be it this offseason or next offseason. I mean, this guy overcame the odds. After two years, two really bad years in this in this league, bad start to his career, he bounced back and had a tremendous season in 2017 for the Birds. And I expect them to try to keep him around here for a long time. He'll definitely be back in the short term, but I, I think they will extend him whether this year or next year. We'll see. Mac Hollins. He'll be back. Rookie last year. Showed some promise. Good special teams player. He'll obviously return. And then you got guys like Shelton Gibson. He was a rookie last year. He'll be back. He'll probably make the team. They they thought enough of him to carry him on the roster throughout the year. Activate him. In the second half of the season, Marcus Johnson. He will be invited back to camp. I, I think the odds probably against him to make the team. The fact they weren't activating him late, later in the year. They might look to upgrade that position. And the one guy on that receiving core that I'm not sure will be back is Torrey Smith. That's why I saved him for last. Uh, Torrey Smith up and down here. Had a lot of drops, but at the same time made a lot of big plays. He did. He made a lot of plays for this team. Um, Caught the flea flicker in the NFC title game. Had a couple big catches in the Super Bowl, uh, but a couple big drops in those games as well. So... You kind of take the good with the bad for Torrey Smith. One thing I guarantee you, he will not be back here at his $5 million price tag. There's no way that'll happen. So the Eagles will either cut Torrey Smith or restructure his deal. You know, if you can keep him around for $2 million, I'd probably do that. I think he'd be worth bringing back at like $2 million. He'll play less snaps. I expect Matt Collins 
to eat into his snaps if he does return. But if you want to bring him back as a veteran president, really well-liked guy in the locker room, team leader, still gives you some speed, still makes some plays for you, I'd bring him back, but I'm not bringing him back at the $5 million number. An interesting guy to monitor here that I saw uh, could be getting cut by his team because his price tag could be too high, could be a little high that I'd be interested in is the Ravens and Jeremy Macklin. Jeremy Macklin could be cut. He could be a cap casualty there. Now, if you're looking to upgrade from Torrey Smith, remember Jeremy Macklin had considered the rumors where he was considering signing back in Philadelphia last offseason after the Chiefs cut him. It came down to the Eagles and Ravens. A couple reports said, and he signed with Baltimore. If Torrey Smith is let go and the Eagles want to bring in a veteran receiver and they can get Jeremy Macklin relatively cheap, I'd be all for that. Because I do think Jeremy Macklin, if he can stay healthy, would certainly be an upgrade over Torrey Smith. I think he'd fit in nicely with Aguilar and Alshon Jeffrey. And if Tor- if Jeremy Macklin's healthy, he can still play, man. We had him here for a long time. Good eagle. Really a, a still a good player when he's healthy. Health has been an issue for him. But if you bring him in here, you have a guy like Matt Collins. He has, doesn't have to play you know, a ton of snaps. I'd consider paying a little extra for Jeremy Macklin if he ends up on the free agent market. But if not, I'd be okay with bringing Torrey Smith back at a bit of a reduced number. You look at tight end. Zach Ertz, obviously he's under contract for a while. Signed an extension a couple years ago. Had a huge season breakout year that we've all been waiting for for a long time. Huge game in the Super Bowl. The game-winning touchdown. Uh, Zach Ertz will be back, no question about that. Trey Burton, unfortunately, I don't think will return. Trey Burton is a free agent. Somebody will give him starter money. He's a guy who has proven when given the opportunity in the Eagles offense, he can play. And he can make dynamic plays. Remember that game in Los Angeles? The game Carson Wentz got hurt. And Nick Foles came in. Zach Ertz missed that game with a concussion. Trey Burton started, and he made a ton of big plays. I believe he caught two touchdown passes in that game. Made big catches when Wentz was in there. Made big catches when Foles came in. And I think somebody will give him money on the open market. I'd love to try to retain him. I'm sure the Eagles will will try, but I don't think they're going to be able to pay him what he is going to garner on the open market with the money they have tied up in Ertz. I just don't. And then last, you got Brent Selleck, who's due to make $5 million. He's another guy. No way that's happening. No way. He's either going to come back on a really reduced number. The Eagles can't really afford to pay Brent Selleck much of anything for what he's giving you. He's still a good leader. Still a good blocker. But he doesn't offer much in terms of the passing game. And I think he'd either have to come back really cheap or he's going to get released. And also... The possibility he retires as well. Might not be a bad idea. Brett Selleck's had a great career. Finish it off as an Eagles with the Super Bowl title. Probably doesn't have that many years left anyway. One or two at best. So Brent Selleck uh, could retire. But I'd say chances are he's probably not returning. And the Eagles will probably have to go out and and pick up a tight end or two behind Zach Ertz this offseason. I don't think Burton or Selleck will be back. Offensive line. 
Lane Johnson obviously will be back. He's under contract for a while. Brandon Brooks, same thing. They'll both be back. That stellar right side of the offensive line will return intact, which is very important. Jason Kelsey, who I another guy I was wrong about. I thought Jason Kelsey, I mean, he had two bad years before this season. Came back, played great. Obviously had the legendary speech that we'll never forget. He'll be back as the starting center. Stefan Wisniewski under contract. He'll be back as the left guard. Your your line's pretty well intact. The, the, the question mark is Jason. And I think he needs to take pay cut. I know Jason Peters doesn't like taking pay cuts. Jason Peters has been asked to do that in the past. He has not done it. But he's due to make a ton of money. And Big V has shown to be capable. I mean, Big V played more than half the season, including the postseason, and played at a high level, played at a level well enough to win a Super Bowl. The NFC Championship game, maybe the best game of his career, he was going up against Everson Griffin, and Big V dominated that matchup. Remember, we were all worried about Everson Griffin going into that game, going against Big V, and Big V was more than up to the task. So I'd still love to bring Jason Peters back. He played at a really high level before getting hurt. But if he's not willing to take a pay cut, I'm not paying him that money. The Eagles need to get under the cap. And if Jason Peters needs to be a cap casualty, that's the way it's going to have to be. If he wants to take that pay cut, love to have him back. And then Big V is your swing tackle, your third tackle. That's a real luxury to have a guy like that on your bench because most teams don't even have a starting tackle. Don't have two starting tackles as good as Big V. So I'd love to bring Peters back, but I don't think it's happening without him taking a pay cut. Chance Warmack, he'll be a reserve again. He's got one year left on his deal. Isaac Sayamo, they're not ready to give up on him yet. He will return. So that offensive line, which may have been, it was, it was the best in the NFL this year. They're coming back intact. There's nobody the Eagles are going to lose on that side, and that is huge going forward. Absolutely huge. The only question mark is Peters. And even if you lose him, I think you're in you're in a good spot with Big V. I really do. I'd expect the Eagles to draft an offensive lineman or two to kind of build for the future for when you will lose Peters, whether you think Big V's the future at left tackle or not, I'm not sure. But he certainly made you think that. I think that's a possibility. And we'll see how it all works out. The Eagles could draft a tackle early. But that offensive line for 2018 is coming back intact, and that is huge, huge for this football team. Now it's time to do our, our dumpster fire segment, and we're going to look at the uh, the catch rule. And the NFL finally trying to do something about this to simplify this ridiculous rule that is caused ire of of everybody for for years now. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. The way they can't figure out what's a catch or what's not. I mean, it, it can you think of anything more fundamentally easy to figure out that has been made so difficult? They just can't they just can't simplify this thing to the point where you can judge with the naked eye what's a catch or what's not. And now Roger Goodell's trying to get you know, the rules committee to kind of just make it easier to understand. 
And now they're saying, oh, well, Des Bryant actually caught that ball that was ruled a drop in the Packers playoff game a couple years ago. And how about that? Dallas fans are coming out, like, pumping their chest over that. How how pathetic is that? That they're bragging about they should have won a playoff game three years ago by rule. But it was a disaster this year, all year long. What's a catch? What's not a catch? The Jesse James play in the Steelers-Patriots game was ridiculous. That's a catch. The guy was falling to the ground. He reached over the goal the goal line. The ball barely came out. It's a catch. Now, the issue with the Austin Safari and Jenkins play where the ball jostles around as he's crossing the goal line, it's ruled a fumble and a touchback. That's not exactly the same thing, but it's in the same vein of what's a catch. And they always screw it up. They always screw it up, and they finally got it right in the Super Bowl. I'm not just saying that because I'm an Eagles fan. I'm saying that because those plays were ruled correctly. They actually use common sense. That's all they need to do. Just use common sense. Use judgment. You know what's a catch, what's not a catch. It's easy. The Corey Clement play in the Super Bowl, yeah, it was close. Some people thought it should have been overturned, maybe by the rules and the way they called it all year. Maybe it should have been. That's a catch. That's a catch. He had possession of the ball. Maybe it moved slightly. But he had two feet down, had the ball. That's a catch. And I thought that was ruled right. The Zach Ertz one was ridiculous. That was even reviewed. That was clear cut. A catch. The guy took five steps. And that idiot Chris Collinsworth is saying, oh, there's no way they could. They got overturned it. Are you kidding me? The guy took five steps, dove for the end zone, ball pops out. It's a catch. But the NFL's got to figure this out. They're finally trying, which I guess is a good thing. But the fact that this has even gotten to the point that it has, where it's so convoluted and so hard to judge, is just a massive show of incompetence. It really is. There's no reason this should have ever become an issue. Common sense judgment. That's all we need to determine what's a catch or not. A 10-year-old kid can come in and tell you what's a catch or what's not and probably rule it better than it's been ruled in the NFL for the past couple years. I'm happy they're trying to fix it, but knowing the NFL and knowing the way that rules committee operates, they're probably just going to make it worse. And the NFL and their, 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 their ridiculous catch rule, that's our dumpster fire of the week. That'll do it for episode 10. Trash Talk with TK. We'll be back with you next week where we will continue our Eagles defense, our, our Eagles uh, roster breakdown. We'll move on to the defensive side of the ball. Look at that as and uh, a bunch of other things as uh, topics arise in Philadelphia over the next couple weeks. In the next uh, few podcasts, we will break down the Phillies as they head toward the beginning, of the beginning of the season, spring training, now in full swing. We'll talk about Gabe Kapler and the Phils and everything going on with baseball. You can hear me this weekend on 94 WIP. I'm on 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. Saturday night into Sunday morning. Give me a call if you're up. I'll talk to you next time. This has been Trash Talk with TK. See you later. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.